Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. A child can have their neurology formed as in the womb around the belief, even though they couldn't put coarse words to it, the belief that the world is an unsafe place. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect podcast. You know, Mark and I have five children, and when we were raising them, there was a wide array of temperaments, personalities, and unique traits in all five. And now we're watching those temperaments, personalities, and unique traits unfold in our grandkids. Every child is different and needs intentional leadership from their parents. This is something that Dr. Kathy Cook and I talk about in our No More Perfect Kids book. The truth is, though, that many families have at least one child that is more sensitive or more intense than their other kids. And often what worked for your other kids might not work for this child. And this is where we as parents can be like pulling our hair out in frustration, or we're even trying to force a square peg in a round hole and it's not working. Some kids are just different. And it's a game changer when you can learn some new parenting skills and can truly understand and empathize with your sensitive and intense child. So helping me unpack this today is Lynn Jackson. Lynn has 25 years experience as a pediatric occupational therapist working with children with sensory processing disorder, ADHD, including her own kids, OCD, ODD, and autism spectrum disorders. As a speaker, a certified life coach, a podcaster, and an author, Lynn has helped thousands of parents learn to be peaceful, purposeful, and confident. She and her husband, Jim, lead Connected Families, a ministry that helps parents learn to embody God's grace in the midst of everyday family life. Welcome back to the No More Perfect podcast, Lynn. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad to be here with my old friend, Jill. (laughs) I know. We go way back. We go way, 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 way back. In fact, even when our hair was a little darker, 
than it is. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> yep, it, I know. You guys started your connected families. I think I was reading, was it 2002? Yep. Mm-hmm. Is that what I read? Okay. Yeah. So, in, and I believe that you spoke at the Hearts at Home conference very shortly after you started Connected Families. So, probably in the early 2000s somewhere. Yeah. I, I can still picture sitting late at night getting an email from you guys saying, Oh, guess what? There's 1,500 people signed up for your topic. So, you're going to be on main stage. And I just about wet my pants. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That was that That level of our speaking career. That was not the just right challenge. (laughs) We we did it. Wow. You did. You did. It was a great way for you guys to um, really take your speaking to a whole new level. Yes, indeed, it was. Oh, I love that. Well, you and uh, Jim uh, joined me for many episodes back. I think I looked it up. It was episode 44. And it was a conversation that we titled Connecting with Your Child's Heart. It was such a good conversation. And uh, for those of you listening, if you did not catch that episode, please go take a look at episode 44. We will put it in the show notes, a link to it in the show notes, um, because it was a great conversation for all parents. Uh, But today we're going to dig into this unique subject of parenting sensitive and intense kids. So let's start by defining what a sensitive and intense child is. Can you share a little bit, uh, Lynn, with us so that we have some context uh, for what we're talking about? Right. And, And I always start by saying, usually parents know that they've just got this kiddo that's more sensitive and intense. And I like to share this study that I heard probably a couple of decades ago in my early therapy career that people think that it's the doctor that has the most insight into a child than the therapist. Below that is the teacher and lowest on the totem pole is the parent. But when they studied it, really who has the insight into the child, that list was exactly reversed. And parents have the most insight into their child. So if you're listening to this and and you're wondering, oh, do I have a sensitive, intense child? You probably actually know there is something different about this child. They may be more high energy, more emotional, reactive, maybe even, you know, kind of combative or oppositional um, that just makes parenting them just kind of a higher calling and a higher challenge (laughs) than your other kids. Yeah. So let me ask a quick question. Um, Everywhere that I, you know, as I was kind of reading about uh, this and and the information on your website, you guys always say a sensitive and intense child. You don't say a sensitive or intense child. So sometimes there are kids that are sensitive, but they may not be intense. Are right. the, Do those fall into this category or is that a different category? Yeah, it's meant to be an umbrella kind of a thing. Okay. And um, usually those two things uh, kind of happen together 
because mm-hmm. a sensitive child is more likely to be an anxious child and kind of our typical self-protective way of dealing with anxiety is to sort of get big and loud and maybe angry as a more safe way to express uh, anxiety or hurt or discouragement or insecurity or a vulnerable emotion. So they often kind of appear together, but for sure, you can have a child that's kind of either or, but mm-hmm. a lot of times the same things will help that child because they're struggling. Their inner arousal state is elevated. They're under kind of an ongoing stress. And so a lot of, you know, just helpful techniques will and ideas and tools will work for will be helpful for each of you know any child on that spectrum from sensitive sensitive and intense to just simply a strong (laughs) (laughs) gotcha okay give can you give us some examples of what might be um i mean i get i mean i know that people are like they just know that they have one but can you give us some real specific examples of what um that might look like Yeah, if a child has um, a sensitive temperament, and we had a little chat about that as we were kind of warming up, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, a highly sensitive temperament, then just they're going to be more emotionally intuitive, have bigger feelings inside. Um, You know, they might be the one that just reads your face. Are you mad, mom? You know, that kind of thing. Or uh, is anxious, very anxious about Uh, relationships at school and doesn't want to go to school and things spin in their mind and they they get stuck on thoughts everything feels really big to them yes but they're maybe afraid to act out in the aggressive ways or assertive ways that maybe they have a sibling that also has some underlying sensitivity but they're you know in like sort of the fight or flight range some kids can be sort of in in uh, flight where they're uh, they're they're withdrawing from conflict. They're not making trouble, but you know internally there's just a lot going on. Um, and these kids also can be uh, very gifted. Giftedness is often uh, an overlap with a sensitive temperament. Kids that their brains are just going, their emotions are going, uh, and they are learning things, taking in information at a at a high rate. So. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. an article on the website that kind of differentiates the two. And we really, you know, we had kind of the gamut of kids with sensory sensitivities, kids with sensitive temperaments, kids with intensity, strong will. And um, there's some checklists on our on our website that actually help to tease that out. And one is by the author of The Highly Sensitive Child, mm-hmm. Elaine Aaron, to kind of differentiate that. Okay. That's that's real helpful. We'll we'll try to uh, make sure that we have a link in the show notes for that as well, um, and specifically to that article and the checklist and all of that. So, you know, as you were sitting, I mean, I'm as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, I'm thinking a lot of times these kids don't fit well into school environments. And envir- even Sunday school classes and things like that, where they 
they really may struggle in an environment like that. Would that be correct? Yeah, absolutely. And it can be for a variety of reasons. It can be sort of that sensitive emotional thing of what's everybody feeling in here? What's What do they feel about me? Am I going to perform at a high enough level that I won't feel stupid or rejected? You know, so mm-hmm. there's that emotional sensitivity. It could be oversensitive to the just the environmental chaos. Yes. <laughs> a, a dear friend who had probably the, the most extreme sensory defensiveness, sensory hyper sensitivity of any adult that I knew. And um, she talked about going into her niece's classroom and she said, what are we doing to children these days? That was a barrage of overstimulation. It was terrible. It's, you know, it was like, it was an egregious, what did she say? An egregious travesty was kind of her, her big dramatic words about the things hanging from the ceiling and fluttering and all the stuff on the walls. And you could see her go into fight or flight as she just described her experience of being in that classroom with mostly other adults to watch a little program. Wow. (laughs) Wow. So she was so, I mean, here as an adult, she's highly sensitive to that and it was just overwhelming to her. Yeah. So you could have the child that's just got all that emotional, relational energy going into a a group crowded situation like school or church, or you could have the child that's simply overstimulated. And then that often can pair with a child that just needs to move to stay regulated. And their movement is so restricted in that environment. Now sit down in your chair. Jimmy, sit down in your chair. Stop it. Stop it. So, yeah. Yes. Come from all sorts of sources. Yeah. Now, Lynn, are, you know, sometimes, you know, this is, this is really interesting for me because some of the work that Mark and I do in the marriage space is we deal with people that are uh, kind of carrying baggage from their childhood. Okay. And we, you know, helping them unpack that and understand that. And sometimes, um, anxiousness and anxiety can be caused, like it can be come from anxious attachment where we didn't have our childhood needs met. But what you're talking about in many of these cases is you're talking about really like temperament is often it's, it's our makeup. It's the way that we are wired and we're mm-hmm. literally born this way to some degree for, for, especially for the kids that we're talking about here. It, can you delineate between the two and, or, or, or just make any other clarification on that? Yeah. Elaine Aaron talks about. Um, I can't remember the exact percentage, it might be about 10% of people. Um, and this is down through history, as well as they can discern, have this sensitive temperament. Mm-hmm. And I think her theory was that um, that's, you know, a, a, there's a percentage of people that are needed to be more on alert and detect danger for the good of the community. And so there's always this 10% more reactive, more sensitive, more alert personality type. And she talks um, about both the emotional sensitivity and the sensory component is usually part of that. Yeah. And um, when there's a, a sensory sensitivity, it correlates with higher anxiety, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, 
So it's God given. Yeah. Is what it's God given. Right. It's God. Right. It's God designed because we need people in our communities that have that extra sensitivity. And mm-hmm. so understanding that I think is so important because when our kids don't fit into the round hole that whether it's school or other social environments, when they don't fit into that, I think we can feel like there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. But I think what what you're saying is, no, this is just a child that is different than the um, majority. And so right. it's not that there's something wrong. It's that mm-hmm. they need a different kind of interaction from the influencers in their life. Right, right. And that's that's part of why we made this course, is we just wanted parents to see these are often really high potential kids. Um, and so to, to parent them with that frame of mind, it's not just about all the, the misbehaviors that I have to squash <laughs> right. or, or, or fix, um, which is such an unhelpful paradigm, but it's, it's truly about how do I discover the God-given gifts in this child and then yes. put wind under those wings so that they begin to form an identity around their God-given calling. Yes, yes. And so you and a colleague of yours have put together a course. We'll talk more about the course um, in just a little bit. But uh, you've put together this resource that is going to help parents, um, like you said, put the wind underneath their wings instead of clip their mm-hmm. wings. Because really, right? right? Yeah, that's that's right. what we feel like we need to do is we need to clip their wings um, when they don't fit into the usual social standards or even make things easy for us as parents. Right, right, <laughs> Some sure. kids, we just have to work harder at um, <laughs> stepping into their world. And um, and so it's like, I think normalizing this is probably one of the most beautiful gifts that we can give to parents who are dealing with a sensitive or intense child. Yes, and it can be such a lonely journey. Yes. And that's why um, early on in developing the course, I had just this vision of, I want to like co-host this with other parents who are sharing their stories. And we have like around 130 video clips of parents sharing their stories, even if it's just a couple sentences about a struggle they've had with their child. Mm-hmm. The people that share, and there's about uh, you know 12 to 15 of these parents that show up a lot, they're going to feel like, like, like friends by the end of the course. Mm-hmm. That's what I what was a big part of wanting to do this. So people didn't feel isolated, didn't feel understood. They felt like, oh my gosh, my child does that exact same thing. You know, it's not just it's not just that I'm going crazy. There's yes. something surface here. No. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I remember when we wrote No More Perfect Kids, we did the same thing. In between the chapters, our 
uh, we had moms uh, share their no more perfect kids stories and mm-hmm. and we selected I think 12 of them or something like that and they're in between the chapters and they're really designed that a mom goes I'm not the only one right. and so right. that's sure. so very powerful so mm-hmm. one of the things that you say is that parents feel stuck and that there's a stress cycle that they get stuck that they get stuck in. So mm-hmm. can you explain what that stress cycle looks like? Right. And it's it's really starts with kind of discerning, are there some underlying stresses happening um, for this child? And you had mentioned earlier the kind of the contrast of a sensitive temperament versus mm-hmm. being raised um, in a, you know, or, or, or a background of trauma. Mm-hmm. And both of those are examples of underlying stresses. Um, if a child, you know, maybe you have a child through adoption, or your child was born at a time when your, your family was under high stress, a child can have their neurology formed as in the womb around the belief, <laughs> even though they couldn't put course words to it the belief that the world is an unsafe place Mm. so that child arrives into the world with the neurology of self-defense uh you know strengthened or emphasized in their brain and it's just a harder start so that's an example of a couple of underlying stresses giftedness the sensitive temperament we've been talking about sensory processing issues um, some sort of early trauma uh, just even situational stresses maybe a child's was was bullied at preschool fairly often or something like that lots of things can cause a child just to have a, a greater level of chronic stress and anxiety mm-hmm. and that's when neuroplasticity changes the brain because it feels it's getting the message the world is not safe and so the fight or flight system grows in size reactivity and dominance and that's when you're going to see more frequent anger or anxiety disconnection a child trying to control their their environment and everybody in it And then that causes that child to grow kind of a negative identity. I'm not safe. Everyone is against me. I'm a bad kid. And what does that do? That feeds chronic stress and anxiety if you feel that way about yourself. And especially if a parent's primary tool is trying to gain control over this child that feels out of control. Then that just becomes a stress cycle that can just leave everyone feeling really stuck. Yes. You know, we really experienced um, that in particular with our son that we adopted when he was nine. And so by then he had learned that the world was an unsafe place. Right. Mm -hmm. And that and and then, you know, also there was the fetal alcohol syndrome piece. Um, So Mm -hmm. even in the womb, even in the womb, the world was an unsafe place. Right. And, and, um, so definitely, uh, I really resonate with what you're saying, uh, there as well. Um, particularly when you're talking about kids from trauma, but Mm -hmm. like you said, some of these kids just are just naturally, they come from in, they're in good families with, uh, good parents that are supporting them, but there's just this higher level of sensitivity to the world around them. And, um, 
one of the things that you also talk about is something that you call sensory strategies that help sensitive and intense kids. And when I was reading about that, I was thinking about, um, so I have a granddaughter that is highly sensitive, like really sensitive to tags and clothing, really sensitive to sound. Mm-hmm. And um, I learned to carry sticky notes in my pocket when I have her. And I do that for the, the automatic toilets because, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. because those are absolutely traumatic Right. You just pulled your pants down and you're trying to figure out how to do the toilet paper. And then a jet airplane takes off in your pants. Yes. And I I don't even remember where I read the the strategy to have a sticky note, but it works. Let me tell you, Mm -hmm. it works. So Mm -hmm. what are some uh, what are some other that little tip and an extra resource all about how to help kids get through the challenges of a day. <laughs> I love that. So what are a, what are a few more? Let's say we've got a somebody listening and they just need a few tips. What are just a couple of tips uh, that you could add to that for a child that is either sensory, uh, is sensitive, or even what's a sensory strategy more for a kid that's intense, like their, their um, emotions are big? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's important to figure out what are the real f- difficult challenges that are stressing us out each day. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones that your child explodes every time it's time to get in the car to go to school. Mm-hmm. And you go, ah, oh, why is this happening? You know, like you're like you're surprised. Right, right. <laughs> like you did it again. Um, so it's it really is helpful to get ahead of those key times. So maybe it's coming to dinner, maybe it's getting in the car and do some sort of a, a sensory regulating activity before that. Mm. So um, a classic difficult time for parents is when kids come home from school. They have been in this crazy overstimulation environment all day, not feeling safe to have an outburst, most of them. <laughs> and so they come through and it's like their their backpack is full of stress. And then they unload it at you or a sibling or something like that. So if instead you can greet them with a warm greeting usher them right over to like a fruit smoothie that they're going to suck through a straw, which is calming and regulating. Mm. And then you can ask, um, is there anything and, and gets their, you know, kind of their blood sugar up. Is there anything you want to tell me from school? If not, that's fine. But you just suck your smoothies and then you decide what activity you're going to do next. And you do some sort of big muscle activity that will get them moving and laughing and just having fun releasing that stress through their muscles. And if you think about it, fight or flight sends, it sends blood to our big muscle away from our frontal lobe to our big muscles. So we're ready Mm -hmm. to slug or run. And if we can use up that, that sort of energy bias towards the big muscles in something fun and playful, then it 
often doesn't need to unload in in, a, in an aggressive action. So Ooh. doing something big muscle, then sort of maybe doing something with some deep pressure, hugs, massage, squishes. We have a free online course just about those kinds of calming activities. And then kind of guide them into something more with a little focus that would regulate them, like a book or some Legos or something like that. So. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's that's so helpful. And man, I had no idea. I love that if you have a kid sipping that smoothie through the straw, just even the that effort of sipping the straw and what a difference that can make. I had no idea. That's excellent. If you think about it, babies fall asleep when they're nursing because suck is really calming to the central nervous system. Yeah. We're just even knowing some of these little strategies that can just take the stress, reduce your stress. And this all is part of kind of, and we talk about the stress cycle. I don't want to leave parents hanging with, oh, that's the only cycle there is. You know, there's a healing (laughs) cycle (laughs) where we can learn, you know, practical ways to connect with our child when they're struggling, which helps them sort of downregulate and then do a lot of coaching with some of these, um, you know, these self-regulation skills, um, but also preventing challenges by just by uh, this example of what I just shared with how you can guide a child home from after school, you've prevented challenges. So you're decreasing that chronic stress and anxiety. You're earning your child's trust. They're going to be more open when you coach them in flexibility and resilience and problem solving and all those kinds of things. Mm. All that feels, feeds a, a, an identity of I'm safe and loved. I'm right. understood. My mom gets or dad gets what I need and I'm capable. And you can imagine those kind of identity beliefs then further decrease stress and anxiety. And now you've got the tools to guide your child more often towards a healing cycle than a stress cycle. Mm. Yes, exactly. And so it's not a crazy cycle anymore. It's a, mm-hmm. a it's it's um, one that is working uh, to calm the child from the inside out. And, right. and that's so very, very powerful. And I'm guessing that that is the heart of the course uh, mm-hmm. that you guys are offering is really to move people from the stress cycle to the healing cycle. Right. Yep. So we've kind of got four categories of of teaching in it. One is just insight into how your child's brain and nervous system and body work uh, as as sort of a foundation for that. And then how to connect well, um, building you know, joy-filled, proactive attachment and connection, but also connecting when they're really struggling um, and then preventing some of those challenges like I talked about mm-hmm. and then coaching them to build skills so that they can learn to manage this stress and sort of take advantage of it. Stress doesn't have to be a terrible thing if we learn to to lean into it and if we're confident we have the tools uh, to manage it. And that's why some of these kids are high potential kids, mm-hmm. because that stress can challenge them toward greater learning, greater self-regulation, greater insight. Um, you know, I've, I've thought many times, what was it like to parent 
the little apostle Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know there is a government publication that says something like, it's talking about the history of ADHD, Mm -hmm. and it says, some people have theorized that according to biblical records, the apostle Peter may have had ADHD. (laughs) (laughs) I think he was a poster child for ADHD, man. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, you know, I thought it was really interesting on the chosen have you seen the chosen that that they have matthew on the autism spectrum yes i i I love that That i absolutely love it is it was fascinating when he he freaks out over the poop on his sandal yes yes (laughs) yes it was so totally. it was so powerful and yeah it was really powerful you know i i think the part that i absolutely love what you just said there as you were kind of going through the parts of the course is especially that first part of really understanding what's going on inside of our child's head mm-hmm. because i i think that sometimes especially with our sensitive and intense kids we can take their behavior personally we can make it about us and it's not about us at all and so if we can get ourselves out of that picture and really be curious about what's going on inside of their head and inside of their heart and and in their little perspective of the world that is not only a gift to them it's a gift to us oh for sure And my husband, who worked with at-risk teens, has always said, when we can be okay when our child is not, it is a great gift to them. Yep. So, stepping back and go and just offering that up to Lord and saying, Lord, I believe you are going to use this. I believe this does not determine my value in in life. You do. It's that phrase that we we use a lot in our materials of my child is not my report card. Jesus Ah. is my report card. And this is so much more important for parents of these kind of kiddos. Um, So, and then just a belief that this was huge for me, getting to a belief that God was going to use it. Because there was a time, and I share this in the course, laying face down on the carpet, pounding the carpet, going, God, why did you make them like this? And why did you make me like this? I feel like I'm angry all the time. Mm. And it was really important for me to get to this place of, I believe you are going to use this for your good purposes. Mm -hmm. And then it helped me sort of get on more of a treasure hunt Lord, what's the opportunity here? What's the opportunity to teach value or skill or to just teach my child their love no matter what? And then I go in with an eagerness instead of with resentments or judgments or anxiety. And that just, that frees me up to hear the Holy Spirit's guidance in those moments. And that's what's been a delight is sharing these parents that have walked these hard journeys, but share their times of just experiencing God's guidance with their child and just the sweet connection that can result. Uh, Oh, I just love your words that you just said there that you said going on a treasure hunt with our Mm -hmm. child. 
Oh, that's such a picture. And I think so very important, especially when a child takes a lot out of us and we are at kind of, we feel like we're at wit's end. And boy, if we can flip the script in our head Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and think of it differently, what a beautiful picture that is and what a difference it makes, even in how we approach it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I am super excited about the new course that you guys are offering. And Lynn, where is it that people can best find you online? We're at connectedfamilies.org. And there's a a special page for sensitive, intense kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of resources that are just free resources. And then if they go to the courses column, we now have a landing page up and registration will be open Mm -hmm. uh, for the course in the month of February. And then it's going to start rolling in March with moderation and lots and lots of people. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people will, you'll, you'll feel like you're uh, not alone. So uh, we've also set up a um, special link that you can get to the course. You just go to jillsavage.org slash sensitive. And so if you want to go there, we'll uh, include a link to that in the show notes as well. And as well as to everything that Lynn has mentioned here. So thank you, Lynn. This has been such a delight to have a conversation with you about us. I think a topic that um, is not, you know, is, is not understood nearly as much as it needs to be. So mm-hmm. I hope that we have uh, given just even a little bit of hope to parents that are walking this journey. And then hopefully they'll go the next step from hope to help and uh, tune into your resources. So would you be willing to uh, pray for our audience and just close us in prayer? I would love to. Wonderful. Father, I think uh, just of these sweet, precious parents, um, many of whom are carrying a pretty heavy Uh, weight of challenges. And I pray that you would just wrap your arms around them, encourage them, just lift their face towards yours with the words, I have good purposes in this for you. And I am with this, with you in this. Uh, We just speak your encouragement. You say, come boldly to your throne of grace for ask to ask for mercy and help in time of need. And so I just pray that these parents would be on just a, a wonderful journey of holding your hand as they learn how to guide this sensitive, intense child that you have gifted them with yeah. for your purposes, for their good and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. 
See you next week, where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.